Rutgers Scoutcast, baby. Welcome to episode 76 of the Rutgers Scoutcast. I am your host, Sam Hellman. Another fun show coming this week. If we sound a little bit different for this open, it's because I am recording this from the bowels of Rutgers Stadium. And bowels really is the right word with the, uh, the trailer that we work in during the week. Uh, hopefully everything sounds okay for you just during the open. After that, it'll you know go back to normal with our guests for the week and our discussion of everything that's going on in the news. A couple of precursors real quick before the body of the show begins. First off, Brian and I recorded our news segment before the news hit that Nebraska fired AD Sean Eichhorst on Thursday afternoon. I mean, it can't say it was too much of a shock with how things have been going out in the uh, Lincoln area since the loss to Northern Illinois. But still, it's one more thing that Nebraska can be distracted by while Rutgers goes in focused and trying to steal a win from the Huskers from Mike Riley on the hot seat. So, yeah, I can't imagine it hurts. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about ADs being fired and how that feels as an athlete coming up in the interview, actually, because my guest this week, I, I... teased this last week. My guest is Ashley Bragg Ryan. Ashley is someone that I've known for, I guess, eight, seven, eight years. She played Rutgers softball when I was the softball beat writer for the Daily Targum. And since then, she's had a pretty great, pretty great life. She is married to former Rutgers cornerback Logan Ryan. They have a kid together. They are very passionate about uh, dog rights and training dogs and rescuing dogs. And that's part of what we're going to talk about in the show, as well as stuff like how Ashley and Logan met, uh, what it was like being a Rutgers softball player before the facilities boom that has come for Rutgers in the last couple of years, and then also stuff like what it was like when Tim Pernetti got fired, how she became friends with other Rutgers football players, and how Rutgers still helps her to this day. All that's going to come up in the interview which begins shortly after we hear from Ashley. And I I do request that everyone that listens go ahead and check out the websites that are attached to this story. If you found us on Twitter this week or on Scarlet Report, there are going to be links to what she and Logan Ryan do to help out animals. There's donate buttons. There's all that kinds of stuff. If you're interested or, heck, even if it's just leave a nice comment, tweet Logan, let him know you enjoyed hearing this episode or you're a dog lover or whatever it is i'm sure they would appreciate it Uh, i would appreciate it too because i never want guests to feel like they wasted their time with me and believe me uh, a lot of people feel like they're wasting their time with me Uh, someone who fits that bill is brian dome who joins us for the news this week we do a little scout on the road talking about some rutgers commits in action as well as some top remaining 2018 targets Uh, Freshmen were the theme of our football discussion this week with, what was it, 17 freshmen or whatever playing against Morgan State. We talk a little bit of Rutgers basketball as we are now one week away from Midnight Madness and less than a month away from year two under coach Steve Peichel. That's all in the body of the show, but before any of that, we're going to go right now to my conversation with my friend Ashley Bragg Ryan. And welcome back to the Rutgers Scoutcast. Uh, Sam Hellman, your host yet again, and I'm here with Ashley Ryan, who I've known as Ashley Bragg for a really long time, but I guess now do we go by Bragg Ryan, Ashley Ryan? What do we go by? 
You know, I personally think the three names thing is pretty cool, so I like Ashley Bragg-Rye. Well, I uh, I knew you as Ashley Bragg when you were a uh, Rutgers softball player, so that's it's hard for me to forget that, but obviously now you've added the Ryan and you've got a pretty good life for yourself down in Nashville. I think so, yeah. So we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today, Ashley, but anytime, anytime I have a Rutgers athlete on, it always starts with the Rutgers career, uh, four-year softball player, middle infielder. I-, I covered you your freshman and sophomore year where Coach Jay Nelson really started to turn things around. I think you made the Big East tournament for the first time ever. What do you remember most about your time playing Rutgers softball and just the challenges of being an Olympic athlete at Rutgers? <laughs> You know, I think the coolest thing about playing a college sport is just the people you meet along the way. I never thought years down the line I'd be interviewing with Sam Hellman again, so I think that's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, I'm still really good friends with my, my former teammates, and I try to keep up with the program. I keep up with my former coaches, and just making those relationships that last a lifetime was definitely my favorite part of the whole program. So most people look at Rutgers Athletics and they see – Oh, $100 million uh, new football practice facility, new basketball facility. They're adding weight rooms, but there's like 19 other sports that don't have that stuff. Uh, What were the challenges for you just in, I mean, facilities 10 years ago for Rutgers softball? I still remember helping you guys do public address, and we hold up Jen Meinheit's iPod to a speaker to get your (laughs) walk-up music. Yeah, I'm not sure how much has changed. I remember by my senior year, they were doing some construction in the area, and there was just a huge hill in the back of our stadium, if you want to call it that. So, you know, I I hope it's changed a little bit since then, but it definitely was a a challenge. I mean, we didn't worry about it. We were there to play ball, and, you know, we made that our goal every day. But as far as, you know, promoting the softball team and the other sports and getting a crowd out of the games and staying competitive – I think uh, a little bit more improvement in the facilities would have helped in that area. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, at least a parking lot or something. Um, <laughs> you you had the, uh, I guess, the pleasure, at least at the start of your career, that Tim Pernetti was your athletic director. Yes. Um, I've, I've been around for five or six athletic directors now, and I thought he was great in actually making the Olympic athletes feel like they were a part of the program he was always around you guys. Is that something that you paid attention to? Oh, absolutely. I cannot think of enough great things to say about Tim Pernetti. And to this day, we keep in touch. We follow each other on social media. You know, I'm congrats- congratulatory of his endeavors, and he's the same with, with Logan and I. And, you know, that's something I remember my you know my senior year when things started going a little downhill. And I remember all, some of us softball girls putting our eye black on our eyes with TP on it, supporting Tim Pernetti. So, you know, there's. I have the utmost respect for him. I think everything he did for all the other programs at Rutgers was just was so great, and I, I can't say enough good things. Yeah, I still have a story somewhere of, like, I talked to a bunch of you guys. I think it was mostly older players on the teams that had already graduated, but, like, everyone was, please don't fire Tim Pernetti. He's the only one that ever made us feel like we mattered. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember a couple of our teammates got together and we wrote him a huge thank you note and we tried to do everything we could. But, you know, our our smaller voices as softball players didn't seem to have a big effect on what was going to happen. But I think he appreciated the support just as much as we appreciated everything he did for us. So I may have the timeline wrong here, but because I'm not a big uh, 
follower of what's going on relationship wise when I was in college, but it was <laughs> it was while you were playing Rutgers softball that you met Logan Ryan and the two of you now share a last name. What do you remember about how that started? Yeah, so Logan and I met um, our sophomore year. And we were in a summer class together. You know, a lot of times athletes like to stay on campus, you know, keep our, our training and weightlifting going and staying with our teammates. So I know the football team usually had to be there, and a lot of the softball players stayed. So that's when we met. And, you know, we kind of hit it off from the get-go, but it, it started as friends. Like, hey, I don't want a relationship. Hey, me either, but you're cool. <laughs> so yeah. we hung out for a while, and then here we are six years later with, with a baby girl and another one on the way, and we're married, so it, it was a whirlwind, but it's it's been great. I thought the coolest thing was, it, you're, it, like, obviously a lot of that stuff starts as friend. That, that's how college works for even us non-athletes, but mm-hmm. it wasn't just the two of you. Like, Tom Savage was in that group. I know you're still close with Deron Harmon. Like, there was a real, it seemed like, good relationship between the football team as a whole, especially Logan's recruiting class, and then you as softball players usually other teams don't get along that well yeah it's it's funny because I remember when I started as a freshman at Rutgers and all the older girls on the softball team said hey we're we're cool with the baseball team we we date baseball players and we're friends with baseball players and we're like okay cool and then we my roommate Abby Houston shout out to Abby and I decided one year that we wanted to live in the, the nicer dorms, the nicer apartments on campus. So we, we got a good lottery number, and with two other teammates, we moved to Silver's Apartments, which that's where all the football players live. So naturally, we're seeing them every day. Deron was my neighbor, still one of my best friends, one of Logan's best friends. So, you know, naturally we're seeing each other all the time, and we just became good friends, and I think that opened the door to some other players meeting softball girls. And honestly, the, the football team doesn't always have a lot of interaction with the other athletes. They're no. kind of kept separate over there on Bush campus and they do their own thing. But, but I think we, we kind of open those doors a little bit. I think it shows both of our age that we consider the silvers, the nice apartments. Cause now they like Livingston is a real campus. Now I'm sure you've seen it and they've got, they demolished the grease trucks and turned them into high rise apartments. Uh, silvers aren't that nice anymore. Yeah, that's crazy because when I when when I was there, Silver was the place to be, and they just redid all the apartments, and we had the nicest shower and the nicest rooms. So, I mean, I, I'm happy for them. I'm glad that they have more spots that are that are nice and that people want to live in now. <laughs> without without going into too much detail, I mean, we we all enjoy a good love story. I love me a rom com every weekend, but uh, <laughs> you know, Logan goes on to the NFL. He leaves early. You finish up at Rutgers, and then you kind of move along with him but not not you know it's not like you're just following him around you're very involved with your own stuff especially mm-hmm. in the uh, canine community which I'm very passionate about what has life since your Rutgers graduation done for you how has your Rutgers degree helped you get started you know I was the typical graduate college and really have no clue what I wanted to do type of person and I'm I took a leap and I moved up to Boston area with Logan when he was drafted and I, I never wanted to be that non-working, non-involved, stereotypical NFL wife. You know, I would, I lo- I would to do love something. to do that. Just, just throwing it out there. If there's any <laughs> NFL players looking like I'm available, I will. I'll definitely keep that in mind, and I'll, I'll, I'll let them know that Sam Hellman is looking. Um, but yeah, so I, I got involved and I, I dabbled in some things. I did some personal training. I coached softball. You know, that's what I knew. But it always, it always felt like something wasn't 
wasn't right. Something was missing. So I started volunteering and I got a job at an animal shelter and it really has propelled me to where I am now. I, I think one of the reasons we got along when I first met you covering the team is we were, were both dog people. I remember doing a story on you, I think your freshman year, about how much you like dogs. Actually, I don't know if you ever saw this. I When you and Logan did like a special Christmas sweater or something for your oh, yeah. dogs, I, my, one of those is in my grandma, two of those are in my grandma's house right now because I'm on team dog. But That's you take, awesome. You've taken that to the next step now. It, it's not a passion or a hobby or a volunteer. It's kind of what you do 24-7. It is. Yeah, so we... In May of this year, we've always we've always done dog rescue and related things. And in May of this year, we started the Ryan Animal Rescue Foundation. So what we do is we promote adoption and responsible pet ownership and educational opportunities, as well as our organization is going to begin to offer grants to other rescues and shelters who may not have the funding that we might be able to get. So one of the cool areas that we're working in is a behavioral grant. So a lot of times dogs are pent up in kennels and shelters and they don't get a lot of time out and they develop some some training issues and training obstacles. So we want to help those rescues and shelters work through that that training with the dogs. So one of our grants is to to provide training and behavioral help to to dogs in need. How much of that is about and this is a biased question from me as someone that <laughs> someone that owned a pit bull for a long time. How much of that is about shaking the stigma that comes with certain breeds of dogs, especially, like I mentioned, like a pit bull. Yeah, that's that's a huge part of what we do. And we have a pit bull ourselves, Leo, and he's the absolute best dog you could ever imagine. He's so loyal, so loving. Um, he's our, our two-year-old daughter's best friend. So, you know, we there's, there's a big movement in the animal rescue world to treat all dogs as individuals. And that's what we do with our organization. And we even promote pit bulls a little bit more just to kind of soften that that stigma that they have and that reputation that they undeservingly get in the in the media. The fake news. Um, it's the fake news. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. So it is uh, RyanAnimalFoundation.org where they have a, a monthly rescue where Logan and Ashley try and help at least one dog a month find a new home, rehabilitate. But you've also, the reason that I reached out to you, I guess it was a couple weeks ago, obviously you're busy Logan's busy. He's got this thing called an NFL career going on right now. <laughs> but uh, RyanCanineConsulting.com, that is what you're doing now. I don't know how many Rutgers fans we have in the Tennessee area, but if there are any, why should they be reaching out to you? Yeah, so I, as I became involved in rescue and shelter work, I noticed a big need for behavioral help, and that extended even to owners. A lot of times dogs are surrendered to shelters based on behavioral obstacles that, you know, the owners don't have time to work with or can't figure out how to overcome. So I I developed a huge passion for dog behavior, and I started mentoring with a local animal behavior consultant, and I became certified as a dog trainer. So recently, when moving to Nashville, I started my own business, which is Ryan Canine Consulting, and I provide basic obedience training and behavior consulting within the, the greater Nashville area. I, I do need to request from you, what's something that Rutgers fans don't know about Logan Ryan behind the scenes? What's something that they didn't see when he's on the field that you get to see every day? You know, one of the things that I, I love most about Logan is he is actually, everyone thinks he's quiet and shy, you know, on the shy side and says the right things all the time, but he's actually hilarious. And I think a lot of people don't get to see that funny 
humorous side, but you know, we have a two year old and he stands up and dances all around the house and he's on his hands and knees giving her, you know, horse rides. And I, I think that's something that if people saw, they, they wouldn't even believe it's Logan. So that's something that, that Rutgers fans might not get to see, but I get to see every day. And it's one of the reasons I really, really love him. Well, we got to get some of that on uh, Instagram at some point. I've, uh, I've tried. I'm a, I'm a secret, you know, video taker and I have all kinds of embarrassing <laughs> videos, but I can't always do it to him, you know? Yeah, maybe, maybe once he uh, retires or when he's Yeah, done there enough. we go. <laughs> maybe, maybe after his next contract uh, gets signed. He uh, also fancies himself a rapper sometimes, and he'll just wake up and start start rapping things that don't even make sense, and we both find it hilarious, and oftentimes he gets stuck in these raps and can't stop doing it, so that that's another thing that people don't know about Logan. I like that. Uh, so I, I ask every guest I have on this show, I ask him the same three questions at the end of the interview. Um, my first question, Ashley, and you were banned from answering Logan Ryan as the answer to this. Okay. Who, who is your favorite Rutgers athlete of all time? Any sport, any time. Oh, that's a really tough one. I can't say myself either, right? I guess you couldn't, but I'm sure there's about <laughs> see, there's about 24 other softball players that are going to get mad, you know? That's very true. No, if I have to pick, and I'm, I'm super biased because I know so many Rutgers athletes, but... My favorite Rutgers athlete's got to be my roommate and, and teammate, which was uh, our star pitcher, Abby Houston. She was she was a heck of a pitcher. I remember seeing she her was, play a lot. She was, and she could throw that ball hard. From, uh, I believe, New Egypt, New Jersey, I want to say? That's correct. Oh, man, I covered Rutgers softball for too long. I remember <laughs> stuff like that. Um, second question, what's your favorite memory when you think about the time you spent at Rutgers? My favorite memory, like I said, has to be just getting to know all of the the people from all around the country and you know I, I went there and I had 20 built-in friends on my team and just getting to know all these different personalities from different walks of life that never would have met had we not had this opportunity and the last Above and beyond my favorite part ah there you go the, the last thing I'll ask today of you Ashley if you get to have one more meal at Rutgers you get to go to one more restaurant on campus where are you going and what is your order I, this is pretty easy, and I'm going to Hansel and Griddle and getting a buffalo chicken crisp. I'm going to guess that's the same answer, pregnancy or not. Oh, yeah, pregnancy or not, although pregnancy really propels my need for buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, maybe throw a banana flip on top. Yep, I'm down. All right, Ashley, well, I I appreciate the time you've given us this week, and uh, it was good catching up with you if you want to keep up with Ashley Ryan, Logan Ryan, obviously everyone here probably already follows Logan on social media, but it is the RyanCanonConsulting.com and the Ryan Animal Foundation. Thanks for having me, Sam. I really appreciate it. Rutgers Scout Cast 76 is here. It is Nebraska Game Week. Best of luck to all of you that are Traveling out to Julie Herman country this weekend, I've been out there before, and and honestly, it's one of the better road environments in the Big Ten, one of the better road environments that I've ever experienced in college football, whether you're going through Omaha, staying in Lincoln, whatever you're doing, have a good time doing it because it should be a good experience regardless of the game. Obviously, last time, Brian, I went out there, uh, Chris Laviano debuted after a Gary Nova injury and Rutgers lost uh, to Amir Abdullah and that Husker team 
this year should be more competitive and you'll get plenty of that preview action on the site before before we get into any Rutgers beating Morgan State any any Nebraska stuff it's time to go on the road scout on the road Brian (laughs) yeah and we've been on the road a lot lately I know you saw Rutgers commit last weekend I went to see Don Bosco play St. Francis of Baltimore and it's always fun to go up there because I was able to see Mike Teal spend some time with him who is really just one of the great guys to deal with in this business he gets what we do. He's very helpful. Um, from the Rutgers perspective in that game, Thurlington, the uh, tight end from Bosco and defensive end, he's listing Rutgers on his list. I think Rutgers may have a chance for him if it plays out longer. I think his heart is set on North Carolina, but here's a tidbit. The Rutgers basketball coaching staff has been in contact with him lately and explain to him, hey, you come play football here, you have a spot on the basketball team as well, which I thought was an interesting thing to come of it because they hadn't really been that much, you know, in favor of it, I should say, or they haven't pushed it that way. So from that standpoint, it's good. I think he's a kid who, if you watch his cut-ups on the site earlier this week, you saw he has a really good first two steps after that, there's some tentativeness to him, to his game. Um, we'll see what happens because he wants to make official visits. North, like I said, North Carolina, Duke are really high on his list, but anything can happen with official visits and places filling up. Yeah, well, the thing the thing with Marcellus Erlington is how much is Rutgers going to push for him as well? There's only a couple spots, and there's a lot of D-linemen they're interested in, and I think that once Rutgers gets that first four on film from Erlington, that'll say a lot about how hard they push on him going into the early and then second signing period. The other thing to keep in mind here, the basketball stuff's interesting. Coach Steve Peichel and Coach Chris Ash have worked together in the past. There's guys on the recruiting staff for both teams that are talking all the time. So why not help each other out? It's what real programs do. And the other thing to keep in mind is that Marcellus Erlington's teammates with Ron Harper Jr., Rutgers basketball commit. So why not tell them, hey, come walk on, play with us. Not only... I mean, it's a completely non-binding offer, and I don't know why they would lie about it, but still, like, it doesn't mean anything. Of course, you can say, yeah, hey, come walk on, but I think, I think the big Harper's thing, more comfortable, too. Yeah, but I think the big thing with that is it's not, hey, come walk on. It's you're only allotted X number of spots on your roster with other walk-ons, right. and they told them, we will save a spot for you. So you will have a spot if you came here to play basketball and they wouldn't fill it with other walk-ons. I think that that was the message they gave to him. Still an uphill battle for him, but this is a staff that does like to battle. You want them to win some of these and eventually they will, but they do battle so you can never complain about the effort given. Something to keep in mind, this is more of a basketball tidbit than anything, but Brandon Knight, the assistant coach that's in charge of recruiting, he's got a lot of football ties in this area too. People forget he was a two-sport New Jersey athlete. He knows a lot of these football guys. I know he knows uh, Nasir Gaines, who's a North Jersey, I guess you would call him, a handler of a lot of kids. He knows a lot of coaches just from coming up in the area, so it never hurts to have those two communities meld. Obviously, Don Bosco Prep has Tyler Friday. Tyler Friday News is something that's going to be on ScarletReport.com and not necessarily just on the free podcast so if you want to check that out go over to the website 
Real quick, Brian, before we talk about my game and next week, anything pop out about Jalen Berger, the 2020 with a Rutgers offer? Yeah, it's really hard to run when you don't have holes to run through. <laughs> uh, St. Francis is loaded. They have a kid who, on my way home, I made a five-star. He was so good. How's Jared Paul's third star coming? <laughs> it's getting there. It'll okay. be there, trust me. Trust me, it'll be there. Jalen Berger didn't have any running opportunity. Don Bosco has to figure out its quarterback position, or it's going to be a really long year there. I mean, there's really nothing else to say with Berger. You know, a couple little nifty moves to gain a couple yards, but, I mean, St. Francis dominated the game. I spent my Friday night in uh, northern Burlington, New Jersey, to watch Woodrow. You were going to say northern Virginia, and then I was going to have to hear about Lido Pizza. Well, wait till the bye week. So in Northern Burlington, where Woodrow Wilson... I thought that was when they played Eastern Michigan. <laughs> anyway, at least for the alum. Yeah. I spent my night getting eaten up by bugs out there with Jafar Williams. It was fun to... Uh, the, the, the two of us both made the mistake of wearing shorts in kind of a country area that had lots of bugs, so that was fun. But on the field, blowout game, you can only take so much away when the talent level is so different, I think. We'll just we'll just move on. Really? We'll just move on, you know. Fill in your own joke there. But Trayvon King was the best athlete on the field on both sides of the ball. He got open every play. It was just a matter of where they decided to throw it. He had two touchdowns and ran well deep down the field. They didn't use him in a lot of quick hits or try to get him yards after catch. It was basically just go get open in the end zone and we'll find you. Um defensively as an edge rusher they they used him honestly they used him kind of the way that Rutgers is using Kamoko Ture and Ellen Lumore right now it's a little different in high school when Trayvon King is 190 pounds but maybe he'll grow into that spot for Rutgers maybe you keep him at outside linebacker tight end whatever it is did he hold his assignments <laughs> he did he did a good job they uh they gave up a late touchdown with the threes in and that was about it uh, no icing the kicker or anything like that in this blowout. Uh, younger brother Stanley King, I think he's kind of well. He's acting like a you know 2019 a junior in high school. Where every time I talk to him, it's a different school that he's really feeling. He likes Rutgers, really likes Jafar Williams, but he seems more open to exploring opportunities than 2020. Fadil Diggs has a chance, Brian. I think you'd agree to be one of the top players in the state that year. He's still got a lot of work to do. Uh, he really has done nothing in recruiting so far. His coach wants him to wait till after his sophomore season. Yeah, I think with Diggs, he'll be one of the top 10 kids in New Jersey, maybe even higher. Really an impressive kid when I first saw him, geez, April, down at a 7-on-7 seven seven in Maryland. He he looked good. He, he looked very good down there. Um, you know, and, and watching Trayvon King's highlights on Scarlet Report, yeah, you, you can see his development as he continues. You know, his athleticism is what stands out, and, and I think you hit it with his size, and he's going to have to get bigger and, and stronger. But when you watch the tape, you realize there's a bunch of different spots he can fill on the field, and I know, you know they talk about D-end and all that stuff. It, it, it'll get decided. That stuff works itself out, whether it's after a freshman year or whatever. Um, I was just talking to somebody about Tyler Friday who – Look, for my money, uh, he's going to wind up being an interior offensive lineman in college. Oh, yeah. Um, the more I see it. And so, for me, you know, a, a guy like Trayvon King, uh, you just want that athleticism in your program and you worry about where he'll play later on. 
wrapping up scout on the road. I will be this weekend out to see Rutgers commit Matthew Thomas. And, and that's a big one for people to watch because that's a kid that, you know, you better bring back some good highlights, Sam, because if not, you'll hear it from me. But not a lot is known about that kid. His junior tape, not great, but his senior tape, you, you want to see it. You want to see where it's developed. You're so excited about that senior tape that you almost let me finish my sentence. Oh, sorry. Um, I figured what I was going to say was better than what you would say. <laughs> sure. Well, let's just move on. I'll be seeing Matthew Thomas this weekend. Obviously, I'm not going to Nebraska. I'll be doing my high school stuff instead. Brian, where are you going? Um, I haven't really decided yet, but it looks like right now I'm going to go see 2019 Antonio Alfano out of Rahway against Cranford. Not a, a sexy game in terms of a lot of recruits in it, but, I mean, you know, seen a bunch of teams. I'm, I've gone to see some games where you've had 12, 13 kids in the game. So just go check him out. I really want to get a look at him. When I saw him at Bergen Catholic, I know the talent's there. He didn't make the number of plays I had hoped for last season. So I'm excited to see him against Rahway, play against Cranford. And uh, if there's any deli up there that you know I should stop in for dinner, let me know. Well, I think that there's a certain former Jonathan Dayton quarterback that played safety at Rutgers uh, had a stint with the uh, Raiders he might be near there in Springfield New Jersey yeah I'll, I'll have to stop by maybe I'm sure that you'll see pictures of him tackling Jabril Peppers all over that uh, all over that deli well I know it wasn't from a punt return no he caught him from behind and he'll tell anyone about it uh, anyway that is a nice plug for Chaffee's Deli for those that didn't figure it out it's a great place to spend uh, a meal we'll jump right now into just talking some Rutgers football, and I think that the best thing that came out of Morgan State was our chance to finally see a lot of these 2017 freshmen on the field. And, Brian, nothing was more entertaining than Micah Clark's first rep. <laughs> I tell you what, Sam, you and I were standing on the sideline. He's in the game at right tackle, and I said, hey. And is everybody, I mean, I, I'm the one who ranked Micah, so everybody knows how much I like him. Great kid, great family. I said, Sam watch this Micah right tackle he's either going to pancake this guy or there's a chance he just runs right by him and misses because um, we've got to remember Micah's still learning the position what happens he gets out there he, he pancaked the dude <laughs> I mean, he just flat out put him on his back and you and I were just laughing about it I think it was a touchdown well, run. Yeah, not <laughs> only did he pancake the guy but then he's the third person in the end zone to greet Raheem Blackshear on the touchdown so People talk all the, it's a famous story around Rutgers when Tim Brown caught his long touchdown to beat UConn his senior year and how Muhammad Sanu was the first guy down the field to beat him. Look at his speed. Well, this time it was a right tackle, Micah Clark, that burned his way 40 yards down the sideline after tackling a guy to go greet Raheem Blackshear. Go watch that play again. It was Blackshear's second touchdown. Nothing sums up Micah Clark better than that or, you know, a missed assignment. Well, yeah, and, and, and we don't say the missed assignment to, to make fun of it. No, He's no. learning. He's learning. And when you're that athletic and you're that fast, it's easy to not have the body control that you really want. You, that's something that he really needs to develop. Um, he's going to be a fantastic player. He's going to be a kid that will have a chance to play at the next level. Um, it, it's just so... It was just fun to watch. And then it was fun to watch Rutman on the other side do his thing. Just has to continue to get stronger. My other takeaway freshman-wise, really it came at linebacker, where we've talked a million times about how Rutgers needs help there. Well, I think that seeing Tyshawn Fogg get reps tells me that He's not redshirting. You don't play him game three, then to redshirt him. Um, 
Not with these linebackers. No, exactly. But on the other hand, I'm starting to think Brendan Navarro is going to redshirt because he's been playing with a bum hand or a bum wrist, a cast all season. Sure. After two games, he's gone. We've seen Rashawn Battle replace him on kickoffs, and Rashawn Battle came in with Tyshawn Fogg, Olakunle Fatu Kasi on that second-team linebacker crew. So that was interesting for me. Other than that, I, I would say that unless there's injuries, we've pretty much seen all the freshmen that are going to play this year. And of the freshmen we've seen so far, I bet three, four of them come down with injuries over the next week or two. And to be honest, they don't have to. You just have to be injured in the first half of the season. Right. Um, so there's that aspect of it, as long as you haven't played more than three games. We talked about the freshmen, and everybody wants to talk about Jonathan Lewis. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. And I've thought about it over you know, a few days since the game and having really time to understand what he did and talk to some football people that I respect who, who've watched the game, who saw the game live. Me? No. Here's what, I, here's what I've decided out of it. It was pretty much meaningless other than he got snaps and was able to get people lined up and all that stuff. Because to think he's going to have that... I don't even want to say success, but he's going to have to run lower. The touchdown pass was a great play call and had very little to do with his movement because the guy came up before Lewis even feigned going forward. So I hope moving forward, at least in the next few weeks, that Jonathan Lewis is a maybe one drive a game, maybe one drive a half kind of guy and let him develop in that way because other than people being excited that there's some six foot three, 235 pound quarterback who a bad team couldn't tackle, um, you can't take a lot out of it. That's I, like, I agree. The game plan and Kyle Boland told me this after the game, the game plan was basically Boland brings him down the field. Jonathan Lewis finishes. I like that game plan against Morgan state. When you're playing at Nebraska in front of 80,000 people that are about to burn their coach at the stake, maybe not put the freshman in the red zone where he's going to make the wrong read on an option and it's going six points the other way. I love the idea of getting Jonathan Lewis sustained drives, but I didn't take too much from Morgan State because you mentioned the pass touchdown. Sure, it was a read option pass. But there was only one option. He was so wide open, anyone makes that well, read. And, and and when he takes that step forward, you know, the idea is you take that step forward so either a linebacker or a DB comes up, and that's what lets your tight end be open. But the problem, you know, when you're looking at it, go back and watch it. The kid starts coming up before Lewis even takes that step forward. There's no forward. decision to just, be made. It, it was just a bad defensive play so I mean that's why I listen to, to people you know walking up the tunnel talking about how great it was and the fake it's like do you even watch the game or see what's happening well wrapping up our freshman talk there we're gonna finish the news this week Brian with your favorite subject Pokemon <laughs> Rutgers basketball oh we love hoops as you listen to this we are one week away from Midnight Madness at the Rack. Like October 15th. Midnight Madness takes place at the Rack at 7 p.m. or something, because that's midnight in... Somewhere. Britain. Yeah, in Great Britain. I'm sure in at Liverpool, yeah. and let me tell you something. Can Liverpool please sort out its back line? Can you please sort out what this podcast is about? It's about Rutgers. wear red. Rutgers wears red. Sometimes. At Midnight Madness, obviously the event is meaningless, 
except for the fact that it's fun and they'll probably have a couple of their commits and underclassmen targets visiting. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to bang out an official visit or two that weekend. That's what they did with Geo Baker last year, but I'll be there covering it. I'm excited to be there Friday night because that means I don't have to go to a high school game that night. I'll be inside at the rack and I'll be home by 930 because that's the time a Midnight Madness event ends. Um, where's your excitement for this season? Are you excited for Midnight Madness and see the new team debut? You know, I spoke to a few people about... I don't care about Midnight Madness. It's an absolute joke. No, a free t-shirt and, you know, watch Corey Sanders dunk. Um, okay. Which you won't see in a game, probably. But anyway. Um, for me, the excitement with basketball stems from last season. They actually looked well-coached. They looked well-prepared. The kids looked interested. They played defense. They weren't any good. But they tried to be good, and the effort was something to be appreciated. One, one thing with me is I can tolerate crappy play. I, I, in any sport, I can tolerate if you're not good. What I cannot tolerate is if you're poorly coached and if you don't show any heart or effort. And we saw it last year that they had heart and effort, and they tried hard, and now they're getting in a few more players and some more talent, if they can ever find a guy who they can rely on to make an outside shot in an important situation, and I'm not saying with two minutes left, I'm saying when there's 15 minutes left and you're up seven and that team has cut the lead to two and all of a sudden you can just get that open jumper from the corner and you can knock it down. If they can find that guy, they'll have a they'll surprise people this season. But even so, it's you get the sense that something's building with basketball and they're like I said they're well coached the scouting reports are good they they're not going to get outworked and I think that's important um, and I know for the first time in a long time they have an AD who wants basketball to do well not just say back for basketball to do well wants it to do well and that's important meaningless on Friday night next Friday but the thing that I most want to see over the next couple of weeks is to, to see what the NCAA does with Mamadou Ducor. I think everything's going to work out there. And well, if, You and I were talking to somebody yeah. during the weekend, and they thought it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I, from everything I'm hearing, it should be fine. You don't bring the kid in and have him in school for this long if you don't think it's going to work out. And I think he's a guy that could start right away for them. Not necessarily just because of his talent level, but because of what Rutgers has in, at center, which is very little since C.J. Getty's departure. They don't have a player who looks like him and can move like him and with his length. Yeah, I mean, it helps. Miles Johnson and, and Shaq Dorson are your other options there. I'm excited for it. Okay, I want to get your opinion on this, Brian, before we jump into the mailbag. So I made a prop bet with someone yesterday that Rutgers basketball will be a better RPI team in two seasons than this season. So what would hypothetically be Corey Sanders' senior year, I'm betting on that, whereas the other person is betting on this season being the better season. Can you give me that person's number so I can get in on that bet? <laughs> I mean, You had that, six different people shake that, his hand saying, I'm taking year three, and uh, I'm one of those people. <laughs> well, I'll just say this. There was a few years ago where I bet lunch with somebody about whether Rutgers would make the NIT. And then I thought, think they went and lost to the Sisters of the Poor in the preseason. And I, I believe I collected my 
lunch bet right before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is probably the worst bet or best bet since then. Uh, yeah. Well, the moral of my story here is I think this will be the transition kind of year for Rutgers because Peter Kiss isn't eligible as a transfer. You know, it's, it's year two is usually where you take a little bit of a step back. Now, the schedule's a joke this year, but we're talking RPI. We're not talking wins and losses. So I think year three is the year where you talk about change, and that's with any coach. Now, am I going to predict Rutgers to make a tournament? No, I will never predict Rutgers to make a tournament until they show me they can do it. But I think year three is going to be a big year. Well, you talk about the joke of the non-conference schedule. That's cool. Because when you're talking about the Big Ten, you're going to make or break your postseason hopes in the Big Ten season. And Rutgers isn't sitting there going, well, geez, we can go 500 in the league. We really need that non-conference win to boost our NCAA hopes. That's not what it's about. It's about um, getting kids comfortable playing with each other, really working the system more so when the Big Ten play rolls around late December, you're structured and you understand each other. That's what the preseason's about for, for a team like Rutgers. Well, Brian had an 8.30 res at Dorcia, so he had to run. That leaves me for the Rutgers ScoutCast mailbag this week. While I have you, please let me remind you, haven't done this in a while, but those reviews on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, however you partake in the show, those help me a lot. They help the show out a lot, especially now that there's uh, some other people trying to get into the Rutgers podcast game. Any any time any one of you has the chance to leave a review, even if it's not five stars, what you like, what you don't like about the show, that really does help me a lot. The only thing that helps more, other than sticking through those silly automated ads at the beginning and the end of the episode, the only other thing that helps me more is when you come over to scarletreport.com. I have teased some exciting news coming soon, and, well, we should have some updates on the site coming in early October, so stay tuned for that. I like to say that premium members get their questions in priority for the mailbag, and that's what took place this week. Again, if you're not a member, check us out on the site. We also have free content every day. You can also go to scarletreport.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and sign up for our daily newsletter. If you're not a member, if you got no interest in paying for Rutgers News, I still recommend the newsletter because you get it every morning in your inbox. We don't harass you with upselling stuff or or trying to sell you a subscription. It's just simply to let you know the headlines of the day. And when you get that newsletter email, you scroll through and you can see if they're free stories or premium. You can see all the headlines of the day and you can just read them at your leisure. You never have to even go back to the site if you don't want to. So... Go ahead and try out our newsletter feature. Both questions this week came from our Scarlet Report premium community. The on-topic question came to me via private message, and it was, if you were Pat Hobbs and you know what you know now, would you still have hired Chris Ash at the end of 2015? Well, hindsight is always interesting. Um... I thought a lot about this during the week and actually messaged the person back and answer before this podcast dropped, but look, the answer is, yeah, yes, I would. Now, a few reasons, some football, some not football, but 
more than anything else, you guys, you got to keep in mind who actually wanted this job. We're not talking about coming into a stable place with some talent and a hungry fan base with a lot of guys. I mean, this isn't coming in to try things again at Texas or to jump in bed with Under Armour at Maryland. We're talking about a non-desirable job, and Chris Ash desired it. In fact, he turned up other job opportunities to come to Rutgers, and that's the most important thing is you find people that want to be at Rutgers. It's just like recruiting. It's just like anything else. You're recruiting a head coach that wants to coach there. So, yeah, I love that. And then the other thing is, Pat Hobbs, it's not like he was breaking the bank. It's not like he had the opportunity to go hire a $6 million a year coach. So Chris Ash fit what Rutgers was looking for. But more importantly than anything, he's a guy that is carries himself with respect. He respects the game of football and he respects other people. He respects the academic opportunities at Rutgers University. All that kind of stuff that was not happening, Chris Ash gives you that. Now, of course, he and everyone else didn't want to get off to a 3-12 and start. I think that's the record right now. But so much of this rebuild had to happen off the field first. You know, It's not like they were just trying to... It's not like they're Nebraska. They fire a 500 coach that's taking you to bowl games because they want to be in bigger bowl games. They fired a coach that was getting kids arrested, getting NCAA investigations, and losing on top of it. So that's just a bunch of stuff you got to keep in mind when you talk about hiring a coach. It's not just about winning right away or getting a top 20 recruiting class. Hope that answers the question. Off-topic question this week also came to me via private message, and it is, Sam, RIP Bobby the Brain Heenan. I know you're a big wrestling fan. Any favorite memories of the brain? Uh, yeah, I appreciate this. I'll make it quick, and I'll make it football-related so that our non-wrestling community, which is most of you, don't tune out. Bobby the Brain Heenan, I think I get a lot of my sense of humor from him. A lot of the self-deprecating humor and one-liners you hear from me come from stuff that I used to hear him say when I was a kid. So he used to love to rip on Michigan. That, I, I think anyone that's listening to this podcast can appreciate there are these two guys that were amateur wrestlers at Michigan before they became wrestlers called the Steiner Brothers. And every time they came out, Bobby Heenan would take a shot at Michigan. Like uh, They would come out wearing Michigan Letterman jackets, and Bobby would say, why did the University of Michigan give them those letters with the big M's? Is it because they're morons? Stuff like that. I'm dumb. I laugh at that. And then, uh, oh, you know what he also used to say? He goes, yeah, the Steiners just had the hardest three years of their life. Eighth grade. Just stupid one-liners like that. And the fact that he would take shots at Michigan, I think that Rutgers fans can appreciate. Go ahead and look him up on YouTube if you want to lose an afternoon of entertainment. That was the mailbag, and that was the podcast this week. I'd like to, again, express my thanks to Ashley Bragg Ryan for coming on the show. I hope people enjoyed hearing from her just a bunch of different stuff and that's what this podcast is about. It's about telling different stories than your normal game week features about the backup left tackle and the defense's struggles against the run, that kind of stuff. I like to do it different here on the podcast. And anytime that I can help support something that supports dogs, I'm all for that too because I'm a dog guy, as I've said. All the links and stuff are mentioned earlier in the show. They're in the article They'll be on Scarlet Report. If you want to support the cause in any way, I'd appreciate it, even if it's just a simple retweet or spread the word or 
you know, like they're like what they're doing on Facebook or just keep following Logan Ryan's career, to be honest, because Logan Ryan is just as involved in this stuff as Ashley. And I would guess most of you like to follow Logan Ryan anyway, given that, you know, he's one of the more successful Rutgers football players in the NFL right now. And he's been a good ambassador for the program really ever since he committed out of Eastern High School in the 2009 recruiting class. With all of that said, this has been another episode of the Rutgers Scoutcast. Please rate, review, subscribe in Apple Podcasts, on the internet. anything you can do to help grow the show. I want this to be the best Rutgers podcast out there. We've been doing it for a year and a half. Heck, we're approaching two years now doing this podcast, and I hope to be doing it for another two years. I'm your host, Sam Hellman. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.